Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online, sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Terrific service department. That backs it up every step of the way. Routine, difficult, they handle it. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. I know we were talking earlier about that. Now, remember, Peter King, you know, he's employed by NBC, so it'll be interesting to see what he knows from the league point of view about streaming the game. Then we'll get into the playoffs. But this is a playoff year, for example, that seven of the 14 teams in the in the playoffs this year were not in the playoffs last year. Just were not. And uh, the uh, I find that to be interesting. The Eagles happen to be one that are there. I mean, you're a big Eagles fan, Todd. So what do you think about the matchup with Tampa Bay? Uh, you know, I I think if it was five weeks ago, the Eagles would probably be heavily favored. But now I have no idea. You got to think, you know, they're playing at home. They're they're they're, you know, I don't want to say Tampa Bay is less talented, but I think other than defensively, the Eagles probably have a have an advantage. But right now, just the way they're playing, I you know, I was I forget who it was. I think it was Dan Orlovsky was doing some some tape breakdown of that Giants game and just. All the stuff, all the blitzes they failed to pick up, and just the the way they're struggling with some of the the simple things really really concerns me. Yeah, that that's going to be um, uh, that's an issue, uh, but they've got a lot of issues where their their defense number one isn't stopping people, and I'll I'll give you an example on my chart. And I don't know how many people have this, but I, but I do. I've talked repeatedly over the years that when you, when you hire a new defensive coordinator in today's college game, so this will be a college example, but I think it goes to the pros as well. If I hire a new defensive coordinator because I'm moving on from somebody else, not in this case like Manny left, right, to become a head coach, I mean, that's a promotion for him. But say you change a defensive coordinator. To me, the job of that defensive coordinator and the reason I'm hiring you to replace the other guy is I'm trying to get one more stop each half. Can you give me one more stop each half? So I have in my chart stop rate. So, for example, how many drives this year did the Penn State defense stop? In the first half of a game, it was 79%. In the second half, it was 83%. For the season, their stop rate was 81%. So teams only scored touchdown, field goal, whatever, on... 19% of their drives against Penn State this season. One out of five. Pretty darn good. Especially when some games, you know, a lot of games this year had 10, 11, 
possessions in the game. Now the Peach Bowl, because of the pace with which Ole Miss plays, they had 14 drives in the game. Uh, but that's what I'm looking for, the Eagles. What's their stop rate defensively? Well, they couldn't stop the Giants in the Christmas Day game from halftime on. They couldn't stop the Cardinals at all. They had the ball 39 minutes. And they couldn't stop the Giants in the first half of the game on Sunday. And when the Giants needed a field goal to make it a three-possession game and put the game away, they put the game away. And, and that's that's a big problem. And then offensively, you know, as I pointed out, Kelsey is better than the vast majority of centers in the NFL. But he's made more mistakes this year than he has probably in the last five combined. I mean, like, you know, some of them are small mistakes. Some of them are bigger. I thought his Super Bowl was eh, to be honest with you. I thought it was, like, the first sign that, like, because they were, I mean, they were attacking him in the Super Bowl. Uh, And then, you know, the other guys, Lane Johnson's one of the best in the business, but when you're tipping plays by stance, you can just see in the stance what the play's going to be. Because you're older now and you're trying to like get as much of an advantage as possible. Okay, I mean I got it, uh, but it does it doesn't help when the other team can look over at one guy and go, you know what? I think they're going to throw it. Somebody again, I think it was Dan Orlovsky showed that you know they're not selling the uh, the RPOs the same way they did last year. He showed a, a scene where they or a. Uh, a film from last year where the line was was making it look like a block and, and this year you know in that Giants game he showed two where they didn't sell the run part of it at all and yeah. and the linebackers or the safeties didn't bite on it at all right and you and you have to be able to sell it because this is something Jack Ham and I talk about all the time on the on the football broadcast anytime we see somebody run a quarterback draw we'll talk specifically about the great job they they do selling it or the mediocre job they do in selling it. Uh, I'll give you an example who was, quote, great. I mean, legitimately great in its textbook. You should look at the film every time of a guy that could sell the quarterback draws, Michael Robinson. Michael Robinson knew how to sell it. I feel like Bo sells it pretty well. McSorley sold it pretty well. Um, and then you see on the pro level, that was, always, you know, Hertz has always been good at it. But you have to have other people. The blockers, they're not always looking at you. They're looking at, at keys. And if a blocker isn't selling it for you, you've got a big problem. Uh, because a lot of guys aren't maybe looking at him trying to sell it. They're looking at the guy in front of them. And if he's not selling it, you have a problem. Uh, Swift has been tremendous. I mean, I think Goddard's been really good. You know, like guys like Gamewell and Boston Scott. I know, look, you don't want to hear it, but they're they're just another guy. That's all they are. Hey, they're just another guy. Uh, oh, no, we love Bonsi. Just, just slow down. Just to, like be realistic about the guys you have. They're good, decent role players who have their moments. They're just another guy, right? That also means they're in the league, and you have to be really good to be in the league. You have to be really good to be in the league. Now, compared to the other guys in the league, they're just another guy. And that's compared to their their peers. Okay? Uh, I mean, which one of the playoff teams is Gamewell starting for? I'm listening. Which one of the which one of the uh playoff teams is Boston Scott starting for? Listening. 
Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, because because the, the reality is they're they're good role players, and that's what they're expected to be. They're supposed to be all stars in their roles, and there have been times over the years where each one has been an all star in their role. The playoff game, game well had last year, he's an all star. All those games against the Giants, Boston Scott played like an all star. But, you know, for the most part, it's like, okay, Swift's the guy, and he's really, I mean, he's way better than I thought he was going to be. Way better. I mean, I kind of thought when they got him from Detroit, I'm like, yeah, he's injury prone, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I said that on the show. I wasn't right about him. He's way better than I thought he was going to be. I mean, and I give him a lot of credit for that. You know, he's, he's, he was a good talent at Georgia, good talent with, with Detroit, but with Philadelphia, there have been moments. His cutback, when he cuts back, he's he's outstanding. Gets himself free so often. He's a really good player. Linebackers are eh. Reddick is exceptional. I think Sweat is underrated, and to me, uh, is outstanding. I think their tackles are eh. Fletcher Cox is older, and when and I like how he still plays. It's limited in terms of the number of plays, but I still think he's a terrific player. I think Davis is out of shape. I think the worst thing that could have happened to him is they have to play this weekend. He needed a week off. I mean, because down the stretch, like he's been invisible for a man that size. That's hard to do, right? But he's been invisible, has not played well, hasn't been involved in plays, isn't creating plays. And that's because he's out of shape and he's tired. Right? At least my opinion is he's out of shape and tired. That's a big man. I know oh, he's lost weight. Well, I'm sorry, not enough. Uh, and and so the fact that they have to go down and play in warmer weather, combined with the fact he's had to play how many weeks in a row, is not going to help him. And Carter's a front runner who, for the past month and a half, has done nothing. Didn't do anything. I mean, after a while, they catch on to your game. I talk about that all the time. In order to have longevity in the pros, they get video on you, and they figure out what you can and you can't do, and it's up to you to adjust. He hasn't adjusted. Now, next year he may be a great player because he adjusts, but right now he's not adjusting. Uh, you know, I, uh, with the two Georgia guys, they were so deep on the defensive line when they played. I, you know, I think part of that is is they haven't they haven't played a full season until they got to the NFL. Yeah, they you're right. They didn't play a lot of snaps because they were in the fourth quarter of games. They didn't have to play. And that's what I remember about Davis in the Alabama SEC championship game. He got crushed in that game. Crushed. Right? The fourth quarter of the game, he could barely move. I think in part because of in part of your point's a really good one. Right? They were so good against everybody, they weren't playing in the fourth quarter. Now, that does preserve your legs for more snaps in life. It does do that. Because you do come to the league fresher, right, not as beat up. So that part's really good. But, I mean, it is – I don't know. They're both talented. There's no doubt Davis has talent. And there's no doubt that Carter has a lot of talent. But neither one of them has been harnessing it, and they're both playing like young players right now. And that doesn't help. I, I, I also feel like, I mean, I know he's hurt, but I feel, you know, you talked about the linebackers being mad. I feel like the other Georgia guy probably wasn't quite what people thought they were going to be, the uh, the Dean kid. And the Kobe Dean, yeah. And, see, I thought that was a steal for them when they got him. But he's been hurt. Nolan Smith's been hurt. Uh, I mean, they've had more injuries to deal with this year, without question. But 
defensively, they have not played well. I mean, the 49ers shredded them, right? The Bills lost the game but still played great offense against them. Arizona shredded them. The Giants moved the ball in both games against them, and the Giants, I mean, <laughs> that's not the starting quarterback. Hey, the first—I mean, the first half when they hey we've got control over him—that was Devito, the third-string quarterback. Well, when they got at least to the second-string quarterback, the Giants outplayed him. I, I'm not sure Tyrod Taylor is not better than Daniel Jones. <laughs> uh, and you may be right about that. <laughs> yep, you might be right about that. Uh, so that is a possibility. <laughs> and, and they still have Daniel Jones for another two or three years, I believe. At least, ooh, I think it's I think it's a little longer than that. I, I I'm more along the lines I think where they I think it's two or three years before they can cut him at a manageable salary. I, I don't right. think he's completing it. <laughs> I don't think he's completing that whole contract. I mean, he's forty million a year. Wow, I'd like a lot more for my forty million dollars a year than Daniel Jones. See, that's what I've been saying about about the suit the staff meetings. I said, right, shouldn't we be getting more for our money out of this guy? Okay, but you know. And he didn't make $40 million. All right. <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. In this business, there are certain personalities that do draw interest all the time. And one of them is Pat McAfee. And the former Colts and West Virginia punter is in some sort of on-air feud with his bosses right now. Now, remember, McAfee is a smart businessman. This is what a lot of people don't realize. He is, he is being paid by ESPN. It's an $85 million contract, but he's not an employee of ESPN. He still owns the rights to his own show. Okay? And right now, he's in an interesting spot because he's been criticizing his his own, quote, bosses at ESPN. (laughs) It's an interesting way to go about your job. I think I'll call all of my bosses morons, and I'm going to put all my money into crypto. Okay, over here in the back. Ooh, slow down. (laughs) May not be the best strategy. Um, One thing that's happened with him, though, Andrew Marchand of the New York Post reported that uh, in the world, we talked about earlier about Peacock and about the goal of media is to draw the biggest audience. All right. So Stephen A. Smith personal favorite of yours, Todd. Average is about 512,000 viewers per show. Okay. You know, McAfee follows his show. You want to know what their average is? It's like 290, It's 302. So it drops 48%. It drops 48% when he comes on. Like, okay. Now, it, it should be pointed out, we are also in a streaming world. His streaming numbers are very good. But I, Andrew Marsham wrote, wrote an article, you know, I think came out, I think it was today, 
saying that Mike Vrabel ended up getting fired by Tennessee. And by the way, it looks like Pete Carroll's going to be moved to the front office in Seattle. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Kevin just came in to tol- tell me that because I'm a Seahawks fan, and I'm I'm stunned by that because, I mean, even at the end of the year, he was pretty sure he was coming back. The beat writers were pretty sure he was coming back. I don't know what happened in the last two days. Did anybody notice Geno Smith's quarterback? Who's good, not great. No. He's good, not great, but he's good. I, I, I mean, he's better than Russell Wilson's been the last two years. Well, that so. was a, no, that was a smart move. They, in other words, let's give John Schneider and Pete Carroll credit. They understood the shelf life of Russell Wilson. That's critical in moves. Do you know the shelf life of the people? Right. Uh, but back to McAfee. So Mike Vrabel gets fired. Instead, he's got Aaron Rodgers on, which is fine, going over the feud with Jimmy Kimmel and his feelings about Dr. Anthony Fauci, about COVID-19. And then they criticized the ESPN executive in charge of the McAfee show, and McAfee called him a rat and was swearing. Okay, I mean, that's a different way to do it. <laughs> it's different. Um... Did you see the picture from the national championship game? He made sure uh, to take a picture with uh, Norby Williamson's boss, uh, Jimmy Patero. No, it was it was whoever championed him to come. It wasn't a name I recognized, but they said uh, he was above Jimmy or above Norby. Was it Magnus? Yes, that's who it was. Yeah, uh, Blake Magnus. That's exactly who it was. Yeah, so, I mean, it's Bobby Iger, Jimmy Patero, and Blake Magnus are the big three. Williamson's below them. Um, and, and of course, what he's done on college game day has been, that's kind of been like an up and down thing as well. Um, now, everybody has different viewing habits as to what they want out of a show. And you may want want the wild and and roller coaster ride personality because of the entertainment part of it and he's entertaining all right at the same time i'm watching a show like that and my criticism of espn going to three hours in game day is i felt they had to fill with more of that and because when it was two hours i felt there was a lot of meat and potatoes for two hours and then now they kind of mix in the meat and potatoes part, and it's not enough of a mix to keep me as a viewer, where I'm learning more about games across the country, learning more about teams, learning more about what's going on in the game. I feel like there's more um, that's still a part of it, but there's more shtick. Like, okay. And that's and, and, and look, if I'm hiring this guy, would I put him on game day? Yeah. Right, And hopefully when it comes time to really get down and talk about football, he can do it in such a way that keeps me interested. He hasn't done it yet. Um, but it doesn't mean he can't. Because, I mean, he know, he obviously knows the game. All right? Um, but he's interesting. I mean, it, and he's never – and here's the other part. In media, as a media person, not as a football player, he has never finished out a contract he has signed. You know that? I did read that. He's never finished out a contract he has signed. That's immediate, not a, not, a, not as a pro football player. Right? And he's a good player. He was a good player. 
Well, he, he, he kind of, I think he saw the, I don't want to say the writing on the wall, but I think he felt he was going to be successful in media because I think he probably re- retired a little early as a punter to go into that. Well, you know what? I, I give, look, he has been able to take who he is and turn it into a multi-million dollar business. Look, you have to get a lot of credit for doing something like that and believing deeply in yourself and in your presentation to do it the way he does. I give him all the credit. And everybody in this business is different. I can't do that. Right? You know, you can't do that. Well, I, I'm still not sure what the suit deal is. All right, that's a different story. Yeah, I think that reaction says it all. <laughs> this is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory, great uh, pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee, terrific service department that backs it up all the way, routine, the difficult, they handle it all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Um, Penn State basketball tonight, Nittany Lions and Northwestern in the Jordan Center at 6.30. Dick Girardi and I join you at 6 o'clock for that broadcast and then on to Purdue Saturday for Zach Eating and company at Mackey Arena. Uh, do we have Peter yet? We do, sir. Oh, that's great. All right, let's bring in best in the business, Peter King. Welcome, my friend. Great to have you back. Steve Jones, you got a big tilt with the Wildcats tonight. Yeah, got yeah, and they're playing well, my man. They're playing really well. You know? yeah. So that'll be it'll be a fun game tonight. Fun game. Yeah, good, good. Are the students uh, back? The students are back. That's why the yeah. Penn State played its game against Michigan in the Palestra in Philadelphia Sunday. It was sold out. But the students weren't back on campus. That's why you make that move like that. Oh so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Boy, that's a cool, a cool atmosphere. How did the, uh, how how was it at the Palestra? Did you like it? Oh, so, I've done I've done maybe thirty plus games in there, Peter. Oh my god! And, and wow. when you yeah. when you sit in there, and Dick and I refer to it as the corners. Look at the corners. Yeah. If the corners of the Palestra are filled, that means the place is going to be electric because every seat's taken. Well, the corners were filled. There's a yeah. great atmosphere. Just what you hope for. That's great. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, we'll start. Well, with we got some playoffs going yeah. on, Steve. Yeah, seven out of the fourteen teams are new, Pete. Uh, I mean, because yeah. Peter, I look seven out of fourteen new in this. Uh, before I do get to that, the story about Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Yeah, uh, that's the one that's breaking. So, you're just your thoughts on a guy that had a great run there. Yeah, I'm a little surprised because remember when Pete Carroll went to Seattle. All right, if you if you think about sort of his his road, okay, he got to Seattle in 2010. And the crazy thing is, Pete Carroll's 72 now. He was in his 50s 
(laughs) when he took over this job. And so he takes over this job. And remember, he hired John Schneider, the general manager. I mean, he didn't do it alone. He and Paul Allen basically hired John Schneider. And so, but it it was clear. Pete Carroll was the number one dude there. But I think what has happened, honestly, that in the last three years, they go seven and ten with Russell Wilson, nine and eight, nine and eight without him. You know, and they're not a playoff factor. They made the playoffs last year but didn't win. And they just don't seem like the arrow is pointing up. And I think the Seahawks view this as a time to start fresh and to get a new coach, a younger coach. I think a lot of the same thing is happening right now in New England, or I would be surprised if there's a bridge built, uh, you know, with Bill Belichick. We'll see. But, you know, and again, I, at the risk of sounding like I'm guilty of ageism because I'm not. Pete Carroll is an energetic, boisterous guy. But, you know, the fact is, let's, let's look at this honestly. The fact is that he and, uh, Bill Belichick have run programs that six and eight and ten years ago were highly successful. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they're both Super Bowl winning coaches. And in the last three or four years, uh, they haven't, they haven't been successful, particularly New England. I mean, Bill Belichick is nine games under 500 since Tom Brady walked off campus. So at some point, I do think, with all due respect to the greatness, particularly of Belichick, but also of Pete Carroll, this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately game. Mm-hmm. And and really, the biz- that's what the business world is. You know, when I'm done, they'll give you my gold watch, say thanks for the memories, but we're moving on to the next guy, and that's, that's how this world works, and I think that's how, uh, it, it, again, assuming that that Belichick is gone, and I think he will be, uh, that 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 it happens this way. Yeah, it's interesting because I remember doing the 2008 Rose Bowl. Pete Carroll was was in his late 50s <laughs> doing wow, that game. Yeah, that's crazy. Was, yeah. yeah, I mean, think back that far. Uh, when you look at Sean McDermott who weathered an interesting reveal about something he said in, in 2019. But he, he's he been in charge of his defense this year. And he doesn't have Matt Milano, and he doesn't have White. And we can argue whether he's they're two of their top five defensive players somewhere in there. In reality, what kind of job has he actually done as the coach of the team? Well, I think there would be a lot of fans who would say, you know, you you have the absolute prime of one of the top five quarterbacks in the game. Yep. Uh, not only haven't you won a Super Bowl, you haven't gotten to one. And 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 look, I what I would say is that you know to that, I think a lot of people might say that if you take the top four quarterbacks in the game right now, they might 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 take Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen, and uh, Lamar Jackson in some order, and they're all in the AFC. So it's not that easy to get to a Super Bowl. Right. But I also think 
that, in my opinion anyway, is that uh, I think he's done an above-average job. He hasn't done a great job. Mm-hmm. But I think he's done an above-average job, particularly when you talk about, you know, look, if you look at what this team has done, and I wrote, I covered their game on Sunday in Miami, and after the game, you go around the locker room, and there's all these guys who played huge roles in this game. Deontay Hardy, mm-hmm. uh, who they get in free agency, a kid from Assumption College in <laughs> Massachusetts. Um, they, 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 get, they get him. He had played for the Saints a little bit, and he makes the, gets the huge return for a touchdown. And then, uh, you know, you have other guys, uh, Christian Benford, who's making a huge play. And, and, and obviously, you know, the, the weird one I thought was above all when Leonard Fournette basically personally tush pushed Josh Allen in for a first down, a huge first down in the fourth quarter. So I think they have managed their roster. He and Brandon Bean have managed their roster well, uh, had to, had to overcome a lot of hurdles to be good and i think they've done a pretty good job but again again i agree with those who would say he's fallen short in some ways his clock Mm -hmm. management obviously against kansas city uh you know might have cost them a shot at the super bowl Mm -hmm. and so he's not perfect in any way but i think with all the obstacles he's had in the last 12 months going back to dealing with DeMar Hamlin, uh, that whole thing, I, I think he's done a good job. I wouldn't say a great job, but I'd say a good job. So and since you covered the, the Dolphins-Bills game, the other day, what, Joe Brady was a grad assistant here at Penn State for a couple of years, so I know yeah. Joe a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what kind of job has he done once he was moved in and Ken Dorsey was moved out? I think what happened is that when Ken Dorsey was in there, okay, when Ken Dorsey was in there, I think what he, one of the things he was missing, okay, was that little bit of imagination that Brian Dable had. He was a little bit of a paint-by-numbers guy. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we're going to do it as we've done it. And sometimes when you have problems and you don't have solutions, players look at you and say well geez come on we gotta we gotta figure something out joe brady is not short on ideas right you know you're going back to the year he coached joe burrow at lsu mm-hmm. uh you know he, he, he you know i think he gets that somewhat anyway from sean payton you know when he was on the Saints staff he was a low-level guy there right and sean payton is a nutty professor i'm telling you i've been in a Saturday night meeting five years ago with Peyton in New Orleans, and I saw it, and that guy's crazy. He just comes up with stuff, and if Drew Brees is, like, literally comes up with something new on Saturday night and asks Brees, and Brees says, yeah, let's do it, and they just do it. So, hmm. so I think Joe Brady believes that when we are stuck there's a reason that you have a coach there. The coach has to figure this stuff out and st- and not just bang your head against the wall and say, let's practice harder. Yeah. Uh, so I'll move off the, off the Bills 
for a moment. Uh, I, I look. I know you work for NBC. What is the league's thought on Peacock and the fact that it's the uh, Dolphins and Chiefs on Saturday night? Well, I've told this to a bunch of people this week, Steve. And look, I know that fans have got to be spitting angry about having to pay six bucks to watch a playoff game because that's in essence what it is. If you uh, go sign up for Peacock, I think it's five ninety five or something like that. And if you choose to, you can cancel after a month. Right. So, you know, you can you can hang on to it for a couple of weeks, see if it's anything you're interested in, and then if you choose, you can cancel. So, in essence, what they're saying to you is, you need to pay five ninety five to see Chiefs Dolphins, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are upset about that. I can tell you exactly why it is. This is not NBC strong-arming the NFL, not NBC, uh, you know, begging for the game. Here's exactly what happened. Roger Goodell is convinced, and underline that, capital C, that streaming is going to be a gigantic way of doing business in the media sector in the next television contract, which is still like six years away. Mm-hmm. But he is, I mean, they have an opener in 2027, which they could use. But but anyway, they, they've got a few years. But he's convinced that streaming is the way because of what is happening in television. Look at all the people cutting the cord. For those who don't pay attention to such stuff, and I'm not a TV nerd about it or anything like that, But but in essence, in the last 10 years, about half the television homes in America no longer have cable TV. Right. And that's that is only going to grow. And the what they're doing now is they're signing up for all these streaming services and you know like YouTube TV and and all that stuff. And so G- Goodell is convinced that this is the way of the future and and so he's not giving them Cleveland Houston. He's giving them one of the two or three big games this weekend. Now, Fox would have an open revolt if the Cowboys went in that slot. They were never going in that slot. <laughs> right. But but they figure that this is a very attractive game. A lot of people will be interested. And we think a lot of people will pay and just use this as a way to examine Peacock. But you're right, Steve. I, I, I don't think you even said it, but I know what you're thinking, that there's a lot of people who are up in arms about this who don't like it. And I totally understand, but it's just I, I think I think this is going to happen more and more in the future. Okay. Uh, now I'll get to the question that many people want to hear an answer to, and I know you don't have an answer to it. What is the deal with the Eagles? <laughs> you know, my feeling about the Eagles, and again last week you heard A.J. Brown, you heard a couple of guys really staunchly defend Nick Sirianni. Okay, and I I heard him, and then I did not watch the game against the Giants, but you know what I did? I was working on my column in the press box in Miami, and I had my AirPods in, and I'm listening to Merrill Reese and Mike Quick, yep. and I mean, you talk about they they talk, they were doing the game, and it's like their dog just died. Yeah. I mean, they were they were despondent over the Eagles, and it's clear to me. 
that that there's in an attitude way, in a motivation way right now, you just saw Mike Vrabel get a team with half the talent of the Philadelphia Eagles in a meaningless game, get all ratcheted up and fired up, and they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars who were winning in to win the division and to have a home game in the playoffs. Uh, and Tennessee is 5-11 and 11 going into that game. So, you know, coaches matter. And, look, I'm not there. I'm not in the locker room. I believe that a lot of the guys on this team have tuned out their coach. And uh, I don't know why. I can't explain it. But I also think they held on to a bunch of aging players too long. The one other thing is when you pick guys – like Jalen Carter, who are extreme, extremely talented, but have major attitude and motivation question marks coming out of college. Yes. When you pick those guys, you're taking a chance. And look, Jalen Carter midway through the season seemed like a shoe-in for Defensive Rookie of the Year. I just turned my ballot in today. He was number three on my list. And, I, you know, Jalen Carter hasn't made a play in six weeks. So why? Why does this happen? Uh, I think that the coaching has to bear the brunt and will bear the brunt. I'm not saying they're going to fire Nick Sirianni, but I think they're going to clean house of a lot of assistant coaches on this team. Interesting, because uh, it's funny. I was listening to Arizona-Philadelphia, uh, because I'd done, yeah. I'd, done, I'd done the Peach Bowl, and then I'd flown back to BWI the next day, and I was driving back from Baltimore to State College. Same thing listening to Maryland Mike. As Arizona's racking up 39 minutes of possession, That's I mean, crazy. The, the, the two of them were just, I mean, just... Apoplectic. Apoplectic. That's exactly the word I was about to use. It was, it yeah. was crazy. Yeah. So, and nobody... And nobody knows what's going on within. Yeah, I think I think change I think changes are coming. Uh, I and look, if they lay down in Tampa, I, I I'm not saying he's going to get fired, but I think Sirianni's got to walk into his meeting with Howie Roseman and and Jeff Lurie uh, next Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever it is, a little nervous. I would be if I were him. Yeah. Finally, I do have to ask you about about Pittsburgh. The Steelers will play without T.J. Watt. Um, Rudolph, Mason Rudolph has stepped in, and he hasn't had, I mean, any turnovers along the way. Does he just, when you just watch him, even if it's on TV, seem like a calmer presence back there compared to the Mason Rudolph yes. we saw before? Yes. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to put it. He, I love listening to Mason Rudolph after the game in these on-field interviews because he's basically saying, hey, what did I have to lose? I was nothing on this team. I, I had no chance on this team. And they put me in as a last gasp. So what, am I going to be panicky? Am I, I going to be worse than the guys who've been before me? And he doesn't say that, but that's clearly what he's he's inferring. And honestly... You know, when you think about it, Steve, and you 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 just listen to him and you watch him play, he realizes, I have nothing to lose. Right. And I'm just going to play football. If it's good enough, it's good enough. And if not, I'll go uh, be an insurance salesman and 
Davenport, Iowa, or whatever. I, I don't even know where where he's from. But <laughs> but but my point is my point is that you know he's a good guy. Players on the team like him. He comes to work. He works hard every day. And he finally said, "Hey, listen, I got my shot now, and you're going to get the best I have. I am. I can't see them." Being giving Buffalo much of a game on Sunday, but you know that's why they play the games. Funny things can happen, and if and if uh, uh, Josh Allen is in turnover mode, yep, uh, you know or mistake mode, you never know. But I, I would be surprised if Buffalo didn't win this game. Which game do you have this weekend? I actually have two. I'm going to uh, Houston to see the Browns and Texans early Saturday and then I'm getting up uh, Sunday morning and I'm going to fly to Detroit I'm, I I love that Rams-Lions game Sunday yeah. night so I'm going to do both and let the chips fall and see what I write about Two domes Hey, I'll just very quick I know i got to let you go Yeah, but i got to give Stefanski a lot of credit people forget Nick yeah. Chubb was the centerpiece of what they were doing both in play action and just running the ball and they haven't had him for months, and it's almost like it's been forgotten, and they're still winning. Wow. That, that Here's the thing about Stefanski. The thing about Stefanski that I really like is that I talked to him a couple of times this year after games or once in camp and once after a game, and he is the calmest dude on the planet. Even And I talked to him after you know all the losses that he's had and Deshaun being gone and all that other stuff. I, I think he's done a marvelous job. I really do. And I think the ironic thing about this game this weekend is that Houston and Cleveland are playing a playoff game, and Deshaun Watson is going to be nowhere in sight. It's just totally bizarre that C.J. Stroud and Joe Flacco are the two quarterbacks in this game. And if you ask – certainly if you ask Houston – they're very glad to have C.J. Stroud long-term over Deshaun Watson. And I will guarantee you that deep down, deep down, because when Deshaun Watson got hurt, they're not sure. This is He's finished 40% of his contract now, Steve. Yeah. And the Cleveland yeah. Browns do not know whether he's their long-term quarterback. He hasn't <laughs> proven anything in his 12 starts. And then, you know, now you look at it, and there's no question in my mind that they feel more confident right now with Joe Flacco playing than Deshaun Watson, and that is a pretty damning indictment on Deshaun Watson. Peter, you're the best. Appreciate you so much. You know that. Thanks so much for the time you gave us today. Hey, you're welcome, Steve. You have a great weekend. Thanks. Peter King, the outstanding Peter King, NBC Sports. All right, wraps it up for today. Back tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun. Today's show was a lot of fun. We tried. You were great as always. But I, I look back and I, I see right away he he wasn't on the show at all. This may have been his best. He is the one that told me about Pete Carroll. Oh, he did participate. All right. Yeah. It's amazing because, I mean, like I said to Peter, when, when he coached against Penn State in the Rose Bowl, he was in his late 50s. You want to talk about? He was in the NFL with the Jets and the Patriots. 